0: Well, welcome back to The Bill Bennett Show. I'm coming to you live from the West Coast. Interesting out here. And I'm delighted to be joined by my friend and colleague, Brian Kennedy, President of the American Strategy Group. Brian, good morning. Good morning, Bill. Brian will join me throughout today's episode as I share my thoughts on the big political stories of the week. And then we will turn to topics related to the American Strategy Group. I'm proud to say I'm a fellow of the American Strategy Group. And if you want to learn more about our work, Please go to amstrategy.org or facebook.com/amstrategy. So I have been traveling. Boy, I left home a while back, Brian, and uh, been traveling out west a good bit. Do you? Uh, you like the
1: west, of course, Bill. I do like the west. I like.
0: Well, I like parts of the west. I like the open spaces, as we say. I love the mountains, and uh, I like the people. You know, they're a little more. Should I say a little more expansive, not so not so c- crowded and eastern? <laughs> I guess that's that's
1: tautologous. Yeah, the uh, the people out west are ambitious mm-hmm. very often, mm-hmm. and that's a nice quality mm-hmm. in people to want to be somebody in this world. Now you you were in Denver too, weren't you?
0: I was in Denver at Alec, the American Legislative and Exchange uh, Council. This is a group of state legislators, mostly conservative, and I was asked to come out. And speak to them. Uh, We were doing some work for uh, conservative leaders for education. And I moderated a panel of state legislators who were doing very interesting things uh, in Kentucky uh, and in Florida and in, uh, well, actually in in, in a lot of different states. And, um, you know, this federal legislation, ESSA, Every Student Succeeds Act, May actually be working, yes, something from Washington may actually be working, sending legislation back to the states, sending education back to the states, giving states uh, the opportunity to have uh, their own initiatives. And we were highlighting the work of several legislators who've done some
1: interesting things. Hold on, is that Washington making people work or just the people out in the states, as we would expect? having the initiative themselves to go do the right thing. It's the latter. It's Washington sort of giving up the power. This
0: was Lamar Alexander, uh, right. uh, led this charge on on the Hill, Senator Alexander. and It's actually working, uh, and they're picking up the initiative. People were dubious about whether Washington really meant it. Does Washington, John Adams say, people never give up power willingly? Uh, would Washington give it up? But uh, conservative uh, action here, and it, uh, it seems to be working. So Washington worked because they let the people have power again. Yeah, uh, so kind of and interesting. Gov- and govern themselves. Kind of an interesting thought, huh? Kind right. of novel. Right, yeah. right. When we arrived, uh, right. my chief of staff, Chris Beach, and I, um, there was a uh, demonstration going on, massive demonstration against Betsy DeVos. We met with Betsy. Betsy um, addressed the group. But uh, that is the Alec group, but there was a massive demonstration against her. I was eager to get out of the car and say, hey, it's me. I started all this or something to that effect. But uh, Chris restrained me and said, let's go through the garage. We don't need to do this right now. But um, it, was, uh, it was a good event and I'm glad to see these state legislators. I also did a, a panel uh, with uh, our mutual friend Seth Leibson on opioids Um, and the opioid epidemic.
1: Is it that much worse right now
0: than it was a decade ago? Yeah, it's uh, people who studied it and whom I trust think maybe five to ten times worse than the crack cocaine epidemic. Just uh, in terms of body count, my friend John Walters, who succeeded me as drug czar, says this may be the most murderous enterprise criminal enterprise in American history. Uh, not the not the pills so much as the fentanyl and the heroin, killing upwards of 40,000, 50,000 people a year. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast, and we'll do it again. I, then I, I should tell you, because I, I want to get to you, I went to the Western Conservative Summit, sponsored by Colorado Christian University and others, and spoke to them. And I was very interested in the audience reaction. I a number of things I thought would please them to hear about America. For example, America is the country you go to if some horrible tyrant is oppressing your people. It's a strong and powerful country. It's also the country you send little Charlie Guard to if there's any hope of um, finding a cure for that little boy. Apparently there is not. Um, but the line that uh, got the most reaction was when I said I'd been married for 35 years and we need to make that more fashionable. Uh, Mrs. Bennett noticed its use with me. <laughs> and that's not why I said it. I know the audience is thinking, ah, that's why you used it. But she said it was interesting to hear people pick up on that. And were people receptive to that? Yes, very much. Very much. And there were a lot of young people there, which was encouraging.
1: The Western Conservative uh, Summit seems to me to be a real sign that uh, conservatism may not be as dead as some of us thought it was at one point. And there's still a lot of vibrancy in ideas. What, what do you think their attitude was toward Trump? Um, it didn't come up much in the two hours, three hours I was there.
0: But I think generally favorable. Uh, still, he is living off capital of not being Clinton. You know, I just think people thought what a disaster that would be. But I also think there's a lot of uh, sympathy for him and affection for him. People are giving him a lot of room, and that's good. We'll get to that when you and I uh, talk and I get your thoughts. But let me just wrap up because I do want to get to you. I went on from there to Aspen, beautiful place, and was with the Republican governors. Uh, impressed with many of them. Scott Walker. Uh, Rick Scott is doing an interesting job, really good job in Florida, but I'll tell you my former home state, um, Larry, Larry Hogan, governor of Maryland and, um, you know, astounding that he won it all, but, um, he's doing a great job and the people of Maryland, the blue people of the blue state of Maryland are, are approving. Uh, I had a good meeting with Chris Sununu, governor of New Hampshire, um, and, um, Several other governors. A lot of strength in these governors. They have real jobs. You know, they got to pick up the garbage and educate the kids. So it's been a it's been a long tour. Um, we'll be talking to Steve Wynn, and folks will hear that in a bit. Uh, and that will conclude the Western visit, and I'll we'll go home and change my clothes, take a nap. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you've been working hard here.
0: I have been. Let's go to uh, politics, and let's get your perspective. Always original, always distinctive. Brian Kennedy uh, is the president of the American Strategy Group. Brian, um, let me just lead in this way. I really like Jeff Sessions. I've liked Jeff Sessions for a long, long time. I think he, uh, well, I know he came on early in support of Trump. The first senator to support him wholeheartedly, criticized by Many of his colleagues for doing so. He's having a rough time. Tell me about this.
1: Well, you know, I can, um, I can certain. First of all, Jeff Sessions is a great guy. Um, if President Trump had not picked Mike Pence, one could easily see Jeff Sessions being the kind of individual who could even be the vice president and someday the president. But you know, Jeff Sessions made what may be a, a near fatal political mistake in recusing himself over all this Russia business. And you can understand why President Trump is upset about him having recused himself. There's a, there's a view in Washington that the one department that everyone takes most seriously is the Department of Justice. It's the one department that can put people in jail. The mere fact that Jeff Sessions does not have control over the entire process of what's going on today is of great concern, not merely to the president, but to any political actor in Washington. I don't know how the presidency can cope with the fact that we've turned over so much to Mueller in this Russia investigation. He looks to be just... It looks like the beginning of a real kind of witch hunt that will go nowhere but simply try to undermine the legitimacy of President Trump. And and could go a very long way in doing that, right? I mean, could really hurt him. Right. And it's a constant drumbeat against the president and completely unnecessary. So if Sessions Sessions doesn't recuse himself, then there's none of that. Sessions can shoot down the notion of an independent counsel— and I think the presidency would be in a much stronger position, and also President Trump has to wonder a bit about how he got as Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein not not a not a perhaps left- wing ideologue, but certainly not someone who was a loyal trumper and loyal to the ideas that Trump was running on. basically here just the rule of law and The mere fact that we have someone whose judgment is suspect politically and then legally is uh, problematic. So you can see where Trump thought, my God, why am I now burdened with this? But, well, two things.
0: Um, At the time that the president picked Sessions, there wasn't any recusal question. And the president keeps talking as if, you know, I wish I'd known he was going to recuse himself couldn't have known that because we didn't know this
1: issue would come up the way it did right well i'm not sure i mean there was there was talk during many of those months at the you know not merely at the end of the campaign prior to the election but in the month after the election two months after the election there was a lot of talk of interference and the lack of legitimacy of the trump presidency and interference And a man who is going to be the attorney general should know what the parameters are of the job. And if it is a genuine criteria that someone involved in the campaign so directly as Sessions was, was mandated essentially to recuse himself, he should have simply taken another job. Everyone wants to say, hey, Sessions is doing a great job on illegal immigration, and I believe he is doing a great job, job on illegal immigration, but he could have done that from the Homeland Security Department. Trump could have given him any one of three or four top jobs to go after illegal immigration. He gave him the attorney general spot. It has to do illegal immigration and so much more. And I just don't think the president's being well served by this.
0: That's with the perspective. Now, at the time of his appointment, there wasn't a cloud hanging over him that would have led to recusal. He forgot, indeed, he forgot and said so, his meeting with Kislyak, the Russian ambassador. When he remembered it, it seemed to him, and as he said, pretty trivial. You know, nothing happened. But he said in order to be, you know, purer than uh, Caesar's wife, I'll recuse. And a lot of people like Rudy Giuliani and others said that was the right thing to do. But at the time, there wasn't any suspicion or cloud or reason
1: to think he would be impaired in doing the job. Right. But it, it strikes me that he's behaving as if the, he were, this were the 1950s and the, the oh. mm-hmm. losing party was going to simply, you know, validate the legitimacy of the election. We knew in November and December, the Democratic Party was not going to treat Trump as a legitimate president. And yes you're right there wasn't an, an immediate question of him recusing himself but why did he recuse himself who did he really think he needed to be purer than Caesar's wife that 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 seems to me to reject the political discourse over the last couple of years and just the the seriousness with which the Democratic Party has been treating all this
0: did you hear I'm just curious uh, I just uh, Heard a little bit ago about Mo Brooks, the guy who's sitting in the Senate seat from Alabama, Uh, former Representative Brooks, now acting senator or Senator Brooks, who is running uh, for the Senate seat this fall. He said he will drop out of the race if the other Republicans will drop out to give Sessions his seat
1: back. Very generous move politically. Um, An acknowledgement of what a great guy Jeff Sessions is. Well, where you and, started, and, right? And there's no reason to, to to bury Jeff Sessions as you know disqualified for American politics. I just don't think that he's ideal as Attorney General right now. There, I mean, if Trump wanted to make him any one of three top places you know, positions in, the, in his cabinet, I think he'd do a fabulous job. But right now, the Justice Department needs to be firing on all cylinders it needs to be getting our counterintelligence system right it needs to get the fbi right and i just don't see that happening necessarily
0: you know i'm i'm, I'm reflecting while you're talking and, and i see the point um and i'm just let me ask you this brian kennedy uh, one one can say that now Whatever the situation was before, with the recusal, he's kind of hampered He's hampered himself and his ability to do all the things you think he should be doing that we'd want an attorney general to be doing. If the president or to have, an, if the president had announced three weeks ago, Jeff is resigning. He'll go back to the Senate. We've talked to Mo Brooks and the other Republicans, or I'm putting him in here, bring him to the White House, I'm not sure there'd be much discussion of this. The discussion, I think, is exacerbated by the public nature of this discussion. And I must say, this has bewildered a lot of people. There are a lot of of, uh, Jeff Sessions fans out there, conservative side. I see Mark Levin, Breitbart, others. But a lot of people are reacting in part to, why are we doing this publicly, Mr. President? your question?
1: Sure. But of course, we know part of President Trump's method is to discuss a lot of these things in public so that the people scrutinize what's going on. Trump, whether he intends it this way or not, when he raises issues the way he does, he forces the American people and the media To take a hard look at the issue he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Look at the fact that we're talking today about Jeff Sessions. And on the one hand, what a great guy he is. But two, how the Justice Department has been undermined. Trump wants that conversation to take place. He's not doing this, I don't think, in any kind of disrespectful way to Jeff Sessions. Although a lot of people in the media say that. I think he's doing it out of respect for the attention these kind of issues deserve in American discourse. And anybody who's serious is drilling down on this right now, and they're wondering, is the Justice Department hampered yeah. under Jeff yeah. Sessions? Can he do his job? They're asking, who is Rod Rosenstein? What are his political views? But also, isn't it clear that Rod Rosenstein is partly there because of Jeff Sessions? Yeah, sure. And so, sure. Is, is Rod Rosenstein... The ideal replacement for Jeff Sessions at deputy, I think most people would say, no. So if the answer is no, why is he there as the number two? Is there not a, is there not any lawyer in America, involved in our, political system, that could have been Jeff Sessions' deputy? Are there nobody else? It was, it was Sessions' pick, not the president's pick. Well, I mean, Sessions certainly recommended him to the president. Okay. The president doesn't know all these kind of people. How will this turn out? Well, one certainly hopes that, that um, the president and Jeff Sessions can figure this out. I don't know that Jeff Sessions can really um, run the Department of Justice the way it should be run today. So I wouldn't be surprised if at some point Jeff Sessions resigned and did something still important for the administration. I, that would be my hope. But, um, look, our politics have gotten very severe. Yeah, sure have. People don't respect the rule of law anymore. They don't respect the legitimacy of Trump's election. Mm-hmm. And that's wrong. And Trump deserves a full-throated defense of that election and a full-throated defense of what's going on today.
0: You know, I agree with you, and I. Um, it's interesting you say it. President wants to engage the American people in a discussion of this. Sessions, yes, but it's also he thinks out loud. I mean, whether he wants to engage the American people or not, he just um, he just does this. This is the way he engages, which is one of the things we've been reminded of by his new communications director, someone I know, someone you know, Ant- Anthony Scaramucci. I think this is a happier topic to discuss for a couple of minutes. The Mooch. And uh, what about the Mooch? You know him. You've dealt with him some.
1: Yeah, I I have a lot of admiration for Anthony Scaramucci. I think he's a smart guy and a fighter and someone who understands Trump and what Trump's trying to accomplish. And he is not easily labeled. I don't think he thinks of himself as a conservative. I think he thinks of himself as an American and he's going to fight for the American interest, and he's going to take the gloves off in ways perhaps um, they haven't been taken off lately. I was listening to Limbaugh yesterday, and Limbaugh called Scaramucci Tom Hagen, a reference to Don Corleone oh, from yeah. The Godfather, uh-huh. his uh, consigliere. And he said, Anthony Scaramucci, I'm going I'm to call him uh, Tom Hagen. And I thought to myself, no, no. Tom Hagen may have been uh, Sean Spicer. Anthony Scaramucci is the wartime consigliere. Remember in The Godfather when they have to fire? They don't exactly fire Tom Hagen. They move him to Las Vegas. He's then their Las Vegas lawyer. Is this
0: Godfather 2?
1: Yeah, they all blurred together to me. Yeah, I only saw one. Sorry. That's all right. Wait, full stop. You've never seen Godfather 2?
0: I don't remember.
1: Exactly, they blur
0: Sound like I am testifying. Okay. Well, well, in the, any the, case, the fact <laughs>
1: is, Scaramucci is, is a wartime consigliere for Trump, okay. and that's how serious it's gotten. And I think he's going to do a great job and really be the kind of force that Trump needs. Brian, how
0: long does this conflict go on? I mean, this you talk about the political conflict, bringing in a wartime consigliere. Um,
1: does can can this go on for four years? Sure. And, you bet. And, and will. You bet. And I think the Democratic Party sees it as, you know, Bill Clinton invented the permanent campaign. This is the permanent conflict, permanent crisis. And so you have to be up for that. And I think, by the way, Trump is a man well-suited. Anthony Scaramucci is well-suited to that and treat it with the same seriousness the, the Democrats do. And it's, that's not to be partisan or vilify the Democrats. It just shows you how they engage. And they're, they're, um, they're trying to take down this president. Mm-hmm. They're trying to delegitimize him in the eyes of the American people. Now, now I don't think that's going to work because Trump understands that and is willing to fight. Yeah. And he wants that attitude administration-wide. The American people voted for Trump. The People here still decide who their president is. And I was talking to one of our friends, John Marini, scholar- yeah, at the University sure. of Nevada at Reno and at the Claremont Institute, and John made the simple point that that this really is a question of whether the American people decide who the president is, or whether America's political and cultural yeah. elites yeah. get to decide, because right now they're trying to delegitimize Trump, and that is uh, rather unprecedented in our yeah. history.
0: Yeah, let's talk for a minute about you know the presidency and getting things done. And I think, you know, whether it's a second term, whether it's a successful first term, um, it depends on getting some things done. And right now, the state of the health care legislation is not healthy. What's What's your perspective on that? Trump's fault?
1: Oh, no. No. Oh, no. Categorically, no. You might argue that they shouldn't have taken it on so early without all these things lined up. But the fact is... Republicans have talked about repealing Obamacare. Why is it, and, and they have voted to repeal it before under Obama? Why is it not possible today to repeal Obamacare and say by the end of the year Obamacare is is gone, and then spend the next six months crafting a new system, the next three months crafting a new system? There are some fabulous policy experts in Washington. You and I both know them. They have some excellent ideas about how to fix our health care system. Why is that simply not in place? I don't buy the argument that this is so complex that it can't be done. That's a, that's a cop-out. These are lawmakers. They can, they can do it. Do we not believe in repealing Obamacare? If it's a disaster, then repeal it.
0: Intellectually, it can be done.
1: But politically...
0: It seems to me that's the obstacle. It's 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 part of a, a, a good thing. This is a big party. This is the governing party now, the Republican Party. Um, and you've got people who are pretty liberal at one end, and you've got Rand Paul you know, the other side and Ted Cruz. And, yeah, you can fashion this intellectually. And, I, by gosh, I'm with you 100%. I think we, they should have. Chris Beach and I, when we were doing our radio show, We had Tom Price on all the time, Chairman Price, and he'd complain about Obamacare, and we'd say, great, you guys got an alternative? He said, we're working on it. Um, And I I don't want to fault Tom, and I think he's done his best. And Tom Price, to be fair to Tom, had his own alternative. But to get agreement in this big party is very difficult. Uh, Intellectually, I don't think it's overwhelming. I don't know. I, I have said to this audience before, I don't fathom it. I can't keep all these all these pieces in mind, I, I, I don't, I don't have a solution. I don't have a plan, but, um, intellectually it, it can be done. We've talked to any number of smart people who've looked at this and, and have come up with decent ideas, but politically, you know, it's the balloon, you know, when you squeeze this part and you know, the air goes somewhere else. If you, if you squeeze on the Lisa Murkowski and give to her and Susan Collins, you lose Cruz and, uh, and Paul, I want to tip my hat again as I've done before on this podcast to Ted Cruz who said, I think, before the Dr. Seuss uh, filibuster, remember, he said,
1: we can't let this through because if we do, we'll never get it back. Uh, What about that politically? Well, I think Cruz was spot on when he said all that. And I think Rand Paul today has been, Senator Paul has been a very articulate uh, advocate for both repeal and for really sound ideas on replacement, as has Senator Cruz. Why not just try it? Let there be politics. Let's have these big public debates. If Lisa Murkowski or any of the Susan Collins doesn't want to go along with it, then they can they can debate that in their own states. They can have primary challengers if they're up for re-election. But let's have a big public debate on this. Let's have a big fight on this and let the American people see what the terms of the debate are. By the way, you and I said before uh, in talking about this that... The Republicans may have been well-served early on in this administration, this legislative session, of having big public debates about Obamacare. They should have held hearings about Obamacare and reiterated for the American people just all the harmful effects it was doing to the system. Trump understands. They, the Republican senators and congressmen, understand why the thing's going to blow up. And so if they know it's going to blow up, that it is blowing up, that it's completely unworkable, have a real explanation to the American people, and then repeal it. And in the process, you should be able to reveal what a better system would look like. Because it's the only way you get to sound health care policy is if people are responsible again for their own well-being. So long as someone else is paying for your health care, yeah. you have all sorts of incentives to not take care of yourself.
0: Well, that train right? has left the station, seems to me. I mean, on this, I think Rand Paul and Ted Cruz are right, and that a lot of the assumptions behind Obamacare have now been accepted by a lot of Republican senators, that someone else should be responsible for a lot of
1: people's well-being. You know. But don't you think people can be educated? Can you not explain to them that this is not going to work?
0: Yes. Yes, you can, especially since there are living examples in the world of how it doesn't work. But I think people have had to, had to buy in here. Once you get these, these federal entitlements, very hard. How do you think this one's going to come out?
1: We may know very soon. Well, I think it would be political suicide for the Republicans not to repeal Obamacare. They pledged it. The American people understand it that way. It's actually bad legislation. And if they don't do this, I can see where many of them could lose their seat uh, in the in, 2018 or in 2020 people take this one seriously. Yeah. And so they really should get this thing done. And if they think they can, they can simply go on vacation and have the American people just accept this. I think they're wrong. I asked you with all due
0: respect, Mr. President of American strategy group, what will happen? And you told me what should happen. Oh, Oh, (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, quite, quite right. Um, I didn't ask myself; I asked you. So, you know. yeah, I, the answer would be I don't know. Yeah, and I'm hopeful. Okay. Because it seems it seems as obvious as the nose on your face that they ought to repeal it. Sure, they're not going to be able to get a replacement immediately, but simply repealing it does not seem that that bigger hurdle and if if republicans genuinely believe that once an entitlement's in place that you can't get rid of it then we're done the the republic's done well we and i don't buy that well we prove this
0: i mean we 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 ended welfare i mean we did end it as federal entitlement there's still an awful lot of it out there but 96 legislation to which i keep going back
1: well we, we by the way we didn't really end it no, in California, for instance, well, where, right. where, where where I live, we um we we got rid of the federal entitlement to Correct. welfare. Correct. The state of California, at the exact same time, created a state entitlement for welfare. And today, one out of every three welfare recipients in America live in my state of California. Is that right? And so, huh. Once you have that entitlement, not only will it can you know. It'll be a, a real magnet for people, and a corrupting a corrupting influence on people. I don't know that I actually don't know that that many people came from around the country just to get California welfare, but it certainly corrupted the people of California. And well, that, and that was not a good thing.
0: A lot of people from all over the country came to Colorado to get pot, so maybe same thing in California. And
1: they'll keep going west and
0: keep going west. And I know. You being a scholar of Lincoln, you're not in favor of uh, secession. No. But some of us who don't live in California feel somewhat
1: differently about it, even if we don't think about it. You know what I worry about, though, is you hear a lot of talk these days from, from various quarters about secession. And yeah. I would say it doesn't work, and it yeah. shouldn't work. can't work. And this experiment in American democracy... Is really all about staying one people. Yeah. And you know, one of the, one of the things that is so good about Trump is that he's trying to make us one people again, regardless of our race or our color. Yeah. And his defense of American citizenship and focusing on illegal immigration gets people to to uh, take a hard look again at what it means to be an American. an American citizen. And I think that's a very useful thing and a useful antidote to all this talk about secession, which I think is very unflattering of the American people.
0: Sure. A lot of occasions these days, we don't feel like we're one people. No, we, we talked last week on the podcast with uh, our mutual friend, Alan Gelzo, who wrote a, was interviewed for a long piece, the wall street journal, which he said, this is the worst period of disunity, um, since the Civil War, and maybe the second worst, you know, in American history. Comment on that.
1: Oh, I think he, he's uh, he's absolutely right. Yeah. And people have been disassociated from one another as citizens. Good word. And that's a that's a very sad thing. Now, on the other hand, you meet these Republican governors, and you meet certain Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you travel around the country, and you meet the American people. They're actually one people. Yeah. If you're, if you're in the in Los Angeles or New York, you'll see a lot of people from different cultures, but they' still they're still Americans yeah and right, you especially right. see that you know out in the out in the hinterland and out here in the West people people still think of themselves as Americans, and we should have the politics that reflect that and I think I think one project of Trump is to make that possible.
0: Now, that's where we started. Maybe that's why I like the West and going West. Thank you, Brian Kennedy. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Brian Kennedy, president of the American Strategy Group. Coming up next, uh, my conversation with Steve Wynn continues. What things he is doing. Quite amazing. You're listening to The Bill Bennett, Show. Bill Bennett Show. I am delighted to be talking to Steve Wynn. He is the chairman and CEO of Wynn Resorts, and he is the finance chairman of the Republican National Committee. Let's start with that. Holy smokes, Steve. RNC announces a record-setting $13.5 million raised in June and a record-setting amount raised in May. What are you doing? I mean, <laughs> I know what you're doing. How are you doing it?
2: Well, the actual the actual creation of those fundraising totals are the result of the work of the whole RNC finance department under the direction of, of uh, Richard Walters and a whole group of wonderful people that are working all levels of donors, you know, the Internet, social media, uh, mid and, and large. Uh, and what goes on is a team effort. Uh, Ronna McDaniels and I run around the country uh, t- talking up the story of the Trump administration's basic fundamental ideas, which are so perfect and spot-on, lower regulations to encourage job formation, uh, the elimination of those strangulating regulations that that came at the rate of hundreds a week during the Obama administration, the idea of relief from a punishing and painful uh, healthcare uh, disaster that was visited upon the country and. 2010 and nine. And finally, an immigration system that will add to the vitality of America, no matter how many people we want to let in and the more the merrier. Infrastructure improvement. And finally, I think what's going to happen next is the reform of a tax system that is complex and outdated to a new tax system that will encourage job formation. In particular, the, there's a great misunderstanding in America. You know, we talk about our corporate rate as the highest in the world, which is definitely uh, a wet blanket on job formation. But most of the small businesses and medium-sized businesses in the United States, in order to be efficient in terms of their organizational structure, are organized as partnerships or Subchapter S, now without getting technical, those those enterprises, which are the form of ownership of all the small businesses in America and the startups, they pay taxes as individuals. So a person, the personal tax rate is really the business tax rate in America. And so when we overtax on the personal tax level, we're really attacking all of the small businesses and startup companies that form the, the real bedrock of American prosperity. President Trump, the reason we're getting this money is because people are buying in to the Trump program. And there's no other explanation for it. There, the people in the United States who have political interests, who care about uh, the growth of our economy. They know that this program that this very unorthodox president has put forward is the right program for America and for a better life for its citizens. And that's where the money's coming from. They don't really care whether Ronald McDaniels or Steve Wynn work for the RNC. They want to know what the Republican Party and its president can do for them. Okay
0: i th- I think I might take some issue with that last point. I think it has something indeed a great deal to do with Steve Wynn, but we won 't argue it. The narrative Steve from the mainstream media is that the Republican Party is divided, seriously <clears throat> divided, not united, and this comes these numbers come as some kind of shock and surprise to the media, not that they 've reported it a lot,
2: whether well, or not they're, you know in one sense. <clears throat> If you say that the Republican Party is divided, you bet when someone has taken and screwed up 20% of our economy, the health care, and really botched it up, I've been a health care provider for 50 years, every single thing in that 2,700 pages, (laughs) If, if there was anything right about it, it was immediately canceled out about something that was wrong. And so when you go to fix something that's a mess, as complicated as our health system, and the health system's relations relationship to all of the humans in every area of this country, uh, individuals, people who don't have great income, some people who don't have any income, health care providers, the drugs supply system, pharmaceuticals, all the defensive testing, everything that's being done in this country, when you go to fix it, there are so many choices, so many bridges to cross. It would be amazing if there was unanimous opinion on this. The only thing that was unanimous was the Democratic Party's desire in the Obama first years to try and put in a system that would lead to socialized medicine one way or another and to do it without one single Republican vote. The Democrats wanted to have and sell a system that would, in effect, bribe all Americans into a dream, a fictional dream that they could get everything for nothing. And what would happen is Americans would all have the same health care that our poor veterans have been getting at the VA which we're now trying to fix. Right. Uh, so, the the original mistakes were so profound that the attempt to come up with a correction is daunting and challenging, and that these people that have different points of view in the Senate and the House, they all feel very comfortable with their positions. Hopefully, they're going to find common ground.
0: Okay. Do you uh, – candid question, candid answer, please. Do you get an earful when, when you call? Do people say, okay, look, I was not for Hillary, I'm not for the Democrats, but let me tell you about this. Let me talk about health care. Why hasn't he done this? Why hasn't he done that? Do you get a lot of that?
2: Every single time.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. I would make <laughs> – sounds like Republicans to me. Every single time, yeah. But, and, then, and then what do you
2: say? I say, look – I'm just a fundraiser and we're voters. We can't control the language, the speech of our public officials. They're human beings with their own programs, their own instincts and their own speaking style. As citizens, we have to look at the basics. What are the fundamental ideas that Donald Trump won the presidency by espousing? Remove strangulating regulations, fix health care, fix the tax system, do a job in fixing infrastructure, getting that underway. Try and have an immigration program that adds to the vitality of our country. There isn't anybody that we talk to when they think about it in those terms says, right. Okay, so what would you rather have Pelosi and Schumer or Ryan and McConnell? See, the the beauty of this is the Republican ideas are correct and they'll get America out of the trouble it's in. With 20 trillion in debt, you have to grow your way out. You can't cut the way your way out. You have to grow your way out. And Republican policies are those that grow America and create more jobs and give people a better life. If the House and the Senate stay Republican, President Trump will sign what they put on his desk. And when I get the conversation at that level, some of the uh, some of the static (laughs) quiets down. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Two 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 questions, three words. First question: Russia.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Dashvidanya. What about it?
0: What about it? I mean, what what? What, a, I, I, what about it?
2: I don't think that I'm any different than most Americans. Okay. It sounds like a lot of baloney to yep. me.
0: Okay. Uh, That's fine. I don't know that any more needs to be said. Health care, how important is it as we speak? The guys are in the midst of this.
2: Look, taking care of each other. is Nothing's more important than us staying healthy and alive. Which, and, and when something like that really gets corrupted, as it has Finding a way out, as I mentioned a moment ago, is a very complex job. And we're trying to sort it out now. My guess is that we'll have to do it in steps. And I believe that based upon what I'm seeing in Washington and hearing, that's where we're headed. Okay.
0: What about um, tax reform? Can you explain to me, because you know um, this kind of, Part of the world much better than I do. Why, or do do you need to have uh, health care reform before you have tax reform? I've heard this said as an article of faith.
2: Well, in order to keep the deficit sort of in focus, I see uh, the two the two programs sort of fit together sequentially in the way that uh, they're attempting to do it now. They're not they're not welded together they're not they're not inextricably bound to one another but from what I've seen they work best when health care is attended to and then the financial results of that adjustment can be used as part of the tax reform as well okay
0: Um, if it is okay I'm I'm just thinking out loud if as you said and I agree with you about health care reform incremental piece at a time you don't have to get the whole thing done before moving on to tax reform, because it looks like uh, Mnuchin and company are getting ready to go on this. Uh, yes, yeah, Steve, Steve's
2: ready to go. They're hard at it. I'll bet. I saw him uh, last month. I went over to Treasury, and uh, hes they're very focused. Okay.
0: Okay. So they'll go. I mean, even if a piece of health care or a couple of pieces of health care are missing, they will still go, you think?
2: In the committee level, these things okay. have started. All right. Yeah. You know, they run yeah. on parallel tracks. Okay, folks, that's it. That's a show.
0: Uh, we'll leave it there. I know I enjoy I enjoy doing this very much. And please tell your friends about the Bill Bennett podcast, the Bill Bennett show. Thank yeah. you.